To what Lincoln's thinking? I'm Peyton Peterson, joined by the one and only Colton Trump. That's me. No, he's not sponsored by Bushlight. And where's that Bushlight sponsor at, Colton? Where, I, where? I've been looking for years, man, years, and they're still just beating around the bush about it. Like, if you're listening and you know some contacts at Bushlight, or you know how to get sponsored by beer, please hit us up because this guy drinks more Bushlight. And loves bush light more than any human being I've ever met in my life. It's, it's great stuff. Nectar of the gods, man. And you think they'd be looking for, like, people to sponsor in this day and age with yeah. everything that's going on in, like, Bud Light? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet they're at an all-time low for, like, marketing. I I, actually, funny enough, I heard from a co-worker today that Budweiser on Memorial Day weekend, or maybe just Memorial Day, they're giving away free beer. Just give it. They're just giving Budweiser's it away. Budweiser's giving away free beer. They're just giving it away. What about they giving away Bush Light too? I only heard Budweiser. Well, nobody wants Budweiser. Exactly, but it's free beer. Yeah, that's fair. You can't beat that. So at Bush Light, you know, hit us up. Yeah. You know, DM us. You know, or not. Obviously, you won't. But sponsors, please, if you're looking to sponsor us, anybody. We like free money. We like free money. Maybe it'll help us promote our shitty podcast more. Yeah. And as of right now, we are in the hole on this podcast. Oh, we're in the red for sure. We're in the red still. No green. Gotta pay for the mic. Gotta pay for the subscription to make the podcast. And uh, no no sponsors. So yeah, still in the red. Shout out to Adobe Audition, the one who used to edit this audio. Great stuff. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So, um, you know, as always... Give us a five star on Spotify. Subscribe wherever you're listening at, or from, I should say. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook at What Lincoln's Thinking. It's a statement, not a question. Yeah, it's and not what's Lincoln thinking. It's yeah. what Lincoln's thinking. Exactly. It's not a question. It's a statement. <laughs> so today on our fine episode. We're pretty excited because we have a pretty damn awesome guest. Yeah, I'm honestly a little nervous for this one. Um, a country music star in the making. Oh, yeah. Montana homegrown. This dude recently opened up for Mitchell Tenpenny. Big time country star. I know my wife loves him. Yeah, so sold out show in Great Falls. The next night, open for him again in Bozeman. I saw some videos, had some friends go, looked like a badass time, and we're excited to have him on. The dude, he has what it takes as far as a young musician. Joining us now, from Thompson Falls, Montana, the dude went to Montana Tech and graduated with a civil engineering degree. Dude's verified on Spotify, just opened up for Mitchell Tenpenny, sold out show, absolute badass, Tanner Laws. Yes, sir. The dude just walked in, gave us some free merch. We're rocking the Tanner Laws country music cozies. Cozies. Got a new hat on, dude. We're fucking hyped about this shit, dude. So, Tanner, when I first met you, I don't. We've talked about this before. I don't know if you remember. I saw one of your shows at the Copper Queen over in Helmville, and I, I had no idea you were playing. But I'm like, dude, this guy's got some pipes. This guy can <laughs> sing. And you end up coming back with us to Lincoln that night, 
and just raging by the fire, jamming out to the guitar, playing cover songs. I was just like yelling, can you play that? Play this? Play some George Strait? And you were just like, yeah. Is there anything that, like, what, as far as your cover songs, what, what are your go-to and which ones do you have, like, mastered on lockdown? Um, yeah, I do remember that night, actually. That was my first time going out in Lincoln, like, before I even went to the bars. That was my first time hanging out with that by that fire. But my go-to, uh, cover songs, I'd say, are definitely Tyler Childers, because I can, uh, I can do his, like, his style of voice pretty well, like that little, little yodel between breaks. A little yodel. Yeah, and then, uh. Zach Bryan, I think I do pretty good as far as the new guys go. Um, and then after that, I think George Strait's another one that I cover really well. And another one I've heard underrated is uh, Eric Church. Ooh. When I do some of his stuff, I, I can do his stuff pretty the good. The deep, sexy voice. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you opened for Mitchell Tenpenny. This dude has three over 300,000 followers on Instagram and, and almost 4 million um, excuse me, listeners per month on Spotify. How do you land a gig like this, and what's it like? What's the pressure like playing for that big of a show? Uh, the pressure, the pressure was there, yeah, but um, it was less, less that it was for someone that big, and more that it was like my biggest crowd I've played for since. That was what the pressure was, kind of. And then hoping people would like my original songs, which is always something I wonder about whenever I play at my gigs, is if people like the originals. And uh, the way I landed it was um, a little bit from my music, but mostly just through uh, connections being personable and social. Like the guy that uh, hooked me up, I met him at the Sunrise Saloon just one night. I wasn't even playing. I was just playing pool, and we were playing pool together. And found out he worked there, and so I got to contact, and we talked for a few months. And I opened up for uh, some band out of Nashville about six months ago it went really well and so they kept my contact and I just I texted him every like two three weeks I felt bad because I felt like I was bugging him but you know <laughs> if you want to get something you know you got to go for it so it's like what's the what's the saying the squeaky squeaky wheel gets fixed yeah so I just kind of kept bugging him until another opportunity came up and that was a big one obviously the sold out shows and the Newberry and the way I got the next day, which was at the Elm and Bozeman, was super lucky. I mean, most of my, almost all my Saturdays this summer are booked, and last Saturday was one of my only open ones. And Ten Pennies crew called me on Thursday, and they were like, "Hey, you're opening up for him uh, tomorrow on Friday. Any chance you'd open for him on Saturday too?" And in, in uh, Bozeman, I was like, "Yeah, definitely." I was like, "Let's do it," and it was totally worth it. That was. Those are two, my two favorite shows probably I've done so far, and definitely biggest crowds, for sure. Which one was the better show out of the two? You know, they were different. Um, the one in Great Falls, the Newberry, there were more people that knew my originals. Like, there was people singing along, which was really cool to see in right. the crowd, especially if I didn't know the people. But the Elm was more people, and it was just... Um, I think you said you saw the video, the Hallelujah. That gave me chills watching the video. I was not there. I saw lots of videos of your performances, but like the backstage, wherever that was being filmed, yeah. and there's the lights. Everyone had like a phone, like the lighter in the sky, yeah. singing Hallelujah with the cover of it, and it was just like wow. Like this whole entire crowd obviously fucked with you. Yeah, it was like it started off a little slow, but um, I, I think I opened up with. Uh, something in the orange because I look like a younger crowd. I really try to read the crowd at all my shows, whether it's at a small bar or a big venue. 
I kind of try to read the crowd off of what they're uh, reacting to, and then I talk to them between songs, whether it's like describing how I wrote one or uh, talking about why I like certain covers by certain people. And uh, yeah, no, I, I, every every song, I just felt like they were warming up to me more and more, and I kept talking to them and uh, asking them stuff and trying to get them to sing along. And that was the second to last song I played of the night was Hallelujah, and people started to do the the flashlight on their phones, and I was like, oh, watch this, and I have the power. So I got everyone, I was like, all right, everybody, this is the last verse and chorus, I want you guys to get the lights out, and I want you guys to sing the last chorus, and I'm going to do the verse. And so I let them sing the last chorus, and the lights were up, and it, yeah, it was chills. And it's, I said it's one of my favorite songs to do, because that was the first song I sang in front of a crowd at my high school talent show, and that was like kind of the, the day that I learned that I had a good voice. Back in you had what it takes. Right, yeah. You got the stuff. Mm -hmm. so that's quite the backstory. High school talent show in Thompson Falls. Yeah. So at what age did you realize that you wanted like to actually like well like you started writing music, you could play the guitar, you got a good mm -hmm. voice, like was there a moment where you're like, hey, like I can make a run at this thing and actually like do some shit with my music? I th I think um as far as wanting to perform after that talent show, someone videotaped it. And uh, I listened to it, and I was like, like I said, I was like, oh, geez, I didn't know I sounded like that. Like, I, I thought I could sing, but I didn't, I didn't think I sounded super good. And after I watched that, I was like, dang, that's that's pretty good. I kind of want to do it. It was a cool experience. And so when I got to college, I started just practicing guitar every day because if you, especially when you first learn, if you take any time off, you lose it like that, dude. It goes away so quick. Right. you got to build up those calluses, too, so your fingers don't hurt. But once I learned basically how uh, chords work and chord progressions and keys, then I started writing my own stuff in college, and I didn't plan for anyone but my closest friends until about a year, two years later, sophomore year was when I started playing at bars and getting my friends to come out. Well, speaking of college, I don't know if you know this or not, but I actually went to school in Butte as well. Roll digs, baby. Roll digs. And uh, I like that song here in Butte. We were talking about being at the rugby boys and getting in bar fights. Did you actually <laughs> play rugby? I didn't. They, you, didn't? Uh, you just rolled with them. Yeah, I did. I knew some of them, and uh, they'd see me in the in the gym um, playing pickup ball with buddies, and they'd always try to recruit us. Oh yeah, they're, they're big in recruiting. And they always try to recruit us, and I thought about it sometimes, and I was like, you know, I I think I'm fast enough. Definitely ain't big enough. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know. Football was fun, but uh, I have some pads in that. But so speaking of Butte, what's your favorite bar in Butte to go to? Probably Sands Place. Nice. And uh, for many reasons, the first reason is it's uh, it's small, just right. a hole in the wall, um, five minute walk from campus, which for some reason it wasn't a popular bar. Yeah. When I was in college, nobody was going there, and I was like, dude, this is a five minute walk from from campus. I don't know why people aren't coming here. And so that was the first. I think that was my first paid gig. It was like fifty bucks and free beer. Hell yeah. And uh, I started playing there like once a month. And I just more and more college kids started coming, and then we started just filling the bar on weekends, and it was like it just became a thing. Like while I was in college, it was either first Friday or last Friday every month I was playing at Sam's place, and people were coming, and it was awesome. The thing that I admire is you seem like very loyal to like the small town bars. Like you're traveling all over the goddamn state. It seems like to play at like these tiny little bars, and you have some incredible friends that support you here. And I had a buddy that was like. I don't know when you played a Sins Bar in Butte last, but he's like, yeah, I know that Tanner Laws guy. He played here 
like then I'm like, dude, that's badass. Like, you're you're getting like a like you're connecting with your fans and your friends. What's it like having having like a support like your friends in like the music industry? It's it's crazy. Like I I don't know a lot of people in the the music industry. First of all, besides my contacts with the like bar owners and venue people, but um, no, my I have the the best support like in the whole world. My friends and family, like my family. They travel all three-hour drives to come watch me play all the time. Like, it's not just, like, one or two shows a month. They try to come as many as they can. I got friends, like you said, that, that show up and show out and wear my, my merch everywhere. And it's incredible. You know, I, I probably wouldn't have kept doing it if it wasn't for all the support people give me. Because it's easy to be hard on yourself, you know. And I'm definitely someone that uh, likes to be seeing progress in anything I'm doing. So if any time I feel like I'm stagnant and not... Um, moving forward, I kind of get anxious and down on myself. So the support I have is huge, and like you said, with the small town bars, dude, it's it's my favorite. I mean, they uh, they come out because they don't get it a lot. They don't get the live music a ton. They love the style of music I play, and especially like the old time cowboys and ranchers. They love when I'm out there playing. Merle Haggard, Marty Robbins, Johnny Cash. I mean, they come out and they absolutely love that stuff. Yeah, so the small town bars, you range from the Sunrise Saloon to the Copper Queen, which for whatever reason seems to be a popping place to go to in small town Montana. <laughs> oh, dude. My, my song, I Love Drinking With You, or Small Town Montana Bar, was originally inspired by the Copper Queen Saloon, because that was one of my first gigs outside of Butte, like in a different town other than my college town. And they treat me so well. And I love that valley, you know. Lincoln all the way down through Drummond. Like, that's a great valley. So what's, what's the favorite song that you've wrote? And two-parter here, what do you think the fan favorite song is? Like you get on stage, whether it's your buddies or people who you don't know, like what's the fan favorite? That's, uh, it's, it's tough, man. It's, uh, I think I have a really wide range of styles. Like I have some, you know, honky-tonk bar drinking songs. I have some that are like less drinking songs and more like, love or heartbreak songs and then I also got some that are not really country like they're a little more on that Americana kind of style but I'd say the top two are probably here in Butte even people that have never been to Butte people that have never been to Montana will love that song <laughs> people will message me from Indiana Iowa and they're like dude that here in Butte song is awesome man so that one I think is probably the fan favorite for uh, performance wise and I think my favorite one I've ever written, and most of my close friends' favorite one, is Bread and Water. It's on my last album, Laws, and uh, that one's got a really cool fiddle part to it, which I love. And it's got a catchy chorus. Does it ever get, like, exhausting or tired, or do you just love the, the experience of traveling around all the time? It gets exhausting, for sure. Um, I drive a ton, and I'm putting usually 1,500 to 2,000 miles a month on my car, minimum. Um, and that's when I just stay in state. Like, I think one or two months ago, I did a trip down to Lubbock, Texas for a gig, and that was a lot of miles. That was my next question. Because yeah. I saw you were going to Coeur d'Alene this summer. So you went to Texas for a gig? Yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty cool. A bunch of guys in a frat down at Texas Tech found my music on Spotify and asked if I'd come play for a weekend. And I was like, oh, heck yeah, dude, whatever. Cool experience, if nothing else. And they paid me pretty well. and. I went down there and was expecting it to be super hot in Texas, and it was like 45 and windy. I was like, come on. <laughs> come. 
but no, they, they were impressed with the, the little that I got to play, and I think they're going to try to have me back, so I'm excited for that, because Texas-style country music is some of my favorite. Oh, yeah. But uh, back to what you are saying with the traveling, it's, it definitely gets a little little uh, rough sometimes driving. I don't mind driving just because you get to listen to music, you get to listen to podcasts, and also it's a good time for songwriting. I can right. just write the songs on the drives, too. It just comes to you. Mm -hmm. But in... Uh, as far as especially in the summertime traveling to different places is definitely cool just getting to see new country i'm really hoping this this year that um i can do better planning where i'll leave a day early or leave super early in the day and get to my destination and at least like try to do some fishing or have a local friend that lives in the area show me around and yeah just to get experience new places montana never been a best state in the u.s best state <laughs> god damn right so you you just posted today. You have your entire summer booked, whether it's a Thursday or a Saturday. Like it seems like, like this has to be so draining. You just talked about like the traveling aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Like you're you're full fledged. You're committed to this this singing, and it obviously shows. So, what 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 show are you most looking forward to? Coming up soon, or not soon, but as far as the summer goes, um, I love playing at county fairs. I got uh, Sanders County Fair, Jefferson County Fair, and Phillips County Fair, which I'm really excited for that one because I'm playing a show with Sam Barber and um, unnamed headliner so far. But I think the one I'm looking forward to most is probably Red Ants Pants Festival in White Sulphur Springs because that one's like a, it's a bigger festival, probably one of the top three or four music events in Montana. And uh, that one will definitely get me some more fans and followers and I think it's just a good good opportunity too oh, yeah. but yeah summer is it's it's booked right now and I've I'm surprised it took me this long to book it because something I've learned after last year being my full year doing music is venues especially the big ones or busy ones that do a lot of live music they start booking their entire summer schedule around March damn like some of them are completely booked for the summer by April so I was I started booking my summer stuff around March. Some of them I already had booked ahead of time, but I like to keep some stuff available usually just in case there's last minute stuff like that the elm that pops up. But I'm also someone that just likes to be prepared and planned out and ready and both for financial purposes because it's my full time gig, so I gotta make sure I'm pulling in a certain amount of money and then also, I'm just, I know this is the beginning stage of my career, so I'm really trying to grind out as many places as I can, get as many people on my music as early as I can, kind of just pay my dues, you know? You're doing it right, it seems like, for sure. Mm -hmm. So as of, as of we were recording today, tomorrow night you'll be playing at the Sunrise Saloon. You've played there several times. What can you expect tomorrow as far as the crowd? Um, I definitely bring in a younger crowd. Uh, like I said, my, like, most of my fan base is between like 21 and uh, late 20s is probably the majority of my fan base and a lot of them buy merch so you should definitely expect a lot of younger crowd wearing my merch tomorrow and but like I said also a little bit of older people that like the the George Strait and Merle Haggard stuff because they know that I'll play some of that so I think it'll just be packed the last two times I've played we completely packed the bar Hell yeah. people were dancing the entire time even if it's just an acoustic set people are on the dance floor and it's just a, it's a rowdy night so kind of a question not related to music you graduated in uh, civil engineering did you actually ever do engineering or did you just go straight into music after college so that's why I moved to Missoula was I uh, I got a 
project engineering job with Jackson Contractor Group, and that's what I did for that first summer after I graduated, and I was also doing music on the side, so it was like, I was working about 50 hours a week um, during the weekdays, and then every Friday, Saturday, sometimes Thursday after work, I was driving somewhere, doing what I'm doing now, and it just got exhausting doing some six days a <laughs> right, week. Yeah. You know, I was just like, I was, I mean, I was raking it in at that time, but I was like, also wasn't given a hundred percent to either one, you know? And so I wasn't being like the best engineer I could. And I also wasn't being the best musician I could. And at that time I was um, really trying to get my first album out too, because the only, only place people could find my music was going on my Instagram or looking up YouTube and that's just videos of me in my room, you know, like right. when I first wrote songs. So yeah. I was, it was, that was probably the biggest step I took as far as um, pursuing music as a career is getting music, figuring out how to get it on Spotify and Apple Music so people can listen to it in their car, drive, you know, when they're with their friends around campfire. That made a huge difference because then people learn my music and that's, I mean, it reaches everywhere in the world. I never played in Denver, but Denver, I have four times more listeners from there than any other town. Wow. And so, hmm. like, that's the crazy, like, thing about nowadays with, like, Spotify and Apple Music. And I don't know if I'm allowed to say those names. Those streaming platforms, you know, the streaming platforms, they can get you, they can get your name out around the world. And so that was a huge step for me. So how big of a stepping stone do you think the Mitchell Tenpenny show was? Because you obviously... You're well-known around Montana, and you say, like, now that you're on Spotify, you're in you know, Apple Music, you're getting more listeners from other places, but I can imagine you got quite a bit, like, n- more f- new fans from, like, performing for such a big country music star. Yeah, no, especially since it was a sold-out show, and with uh, Ten Penny being as big as he is, um, I got a lot more followers. Um, I expect to, to see more people at my shows this summer and around the state that were at the concert, because... When I got done, I was standing at my my merch table selling stuff, and there was just so many people coming up and buying all the stuff. They bought me out almost of everything I brought for merch and uh, like signing autographs, which felt kind of funny, taking pictures, (laughs) which felt kind of funny. But it was I definitely I definitely made a big step, and um, I'm really hoping they have me back as an opener soon, whether it's at the Elm or the Top Hat or the Wilma or Kettle Hall Amphitheater. It's the same uh, same booking people, so really hoping they get me back and I think I left uh, an impression um, last weekend good enough one that they'll definitely have me back hell yeah it almost like pisses me off because I was going to ask you how I can buy some of your merch you know I've literally outside outside of the Copper Queen I don't think I've ever been to one of your shows like you're on my podcast like how can I buy some of your merch and you come here and give it to us for free. Like I, yeah. like Trump said before we were on air, our recording, I feel like we should be giving you a hat. Yeah, you a hat. Hey, you know, we got, we got to take care of each other, and you guys are having me on, which I think is awesome. And So I just wanted you guys to have some stuff that you can rep if you come to any of my shows in the future. You know, like you said, Sunrise tomorrow, Trixie's on Saturday. Which Trixie, is, yeah, which yes, is sir. on the drive, you know, <laughs> drive home for you. And um, I'm, I'm actually getting ready to make a huge... Um, uh, shipment coming in of new merch too so I was kind of trying to give stuff on sale so I'm out of I would write t-shirts but I'm out of anything medium up in all my t-shirts so I'm going to try to go get some made tomorrow so if you're thick wait a while yeah, <laughs> yeah I have to wait a minute yeah. and can you just find all that at tannerlawsmusic.com um, not yet I'm working on getting it available on the website for purchase but right now the the best way is to 
follow me on Instagram or Facebook, which is also Tanner Laws Music, and then uh, DM me, and once I get stuff, I'll, I'll have to mail it to you personally, but that's on my urgent to-do list is uh, get stuff online for pictures, because like I said, those people in Denver don't really have a way to get my stuff very easily. And it's got to be hard, because you're just like a one-man show, right? You don't have any people behind the scenes right now as far as like... And you're like recording process, producing, like all, like how does that work just by yourself? Um, it's, there's a lot of people I'm, I'm in constant contact with, but um, yeah, I work through um, a couple companies that have their own like stores, like clothing stores. And what I do is um, I give them my designs and choose a product. They set it up for me, they order it, it ships in, and then I pay them for all that, and then I sell them for a profit. Um, recording wise, I go to I go to Florence. You can't um, wrong pipe. That's, that's bush light down the windpipe, just so you know. Um, Florence was my second album. That's where I recorded the second one, and then my first one was done here in Missoula at the Vault Studio, and the second one and my upcoming third one is being recorded at. Ill Eagle Studio in Florence. Upcoming third one, so we can expect a, an album in the works? Very soon, very soon. I was just there the other day and we got the, the guitar tracks laid down, we got the vocals laid down. Um, all we're doing is right now we're finishing up the bass guitar, um, the drums, and adding fiddle to a couple of them. And then we'll have to do some final touches, but I'm planning that it'll be out probably late July. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, what all can you play, like instrument-wise? Uh, obviously, guitar is, is my big one. Um, growing up, though, I I was really really loving playing saxophone. That's what I did in Hell yeah. in junior high and high school. Was I learned on alto, and then I really grew to love the tenor, and that's what I played most of junior high and high school. Pet band was awesome. You know, I love I loved pet band, and I loved playing sax and. Actually, when I played Hallelujah at the talent show, that was on piano. So I did a little bit of learning piano. Ooh, and Piano guy. And, yeah, in high school, I didn't... I mean, I, I was learning guitar, but I wasn't very good at it. And I was just really getting into piano my junior, senior year. And I love classical music on piano. It's super, like, relaxing to me and soothing and easy to paint a picture in your head without having words. Like, you get to come up with your own story in your head when you're listening to it. And so I would... Just YouTube. YouTube's your best friend, man. Oh. I would just YouTube how to play. My favorite, my favorite one was Moonlight Sonata, uh, Beethoven, and I was, and that's like a 10, 15 minute song. You're talking about the classics, classics. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I couldn't, I couldn't really read uh, piano music that well, so I would just watch the YouTube videos on repeat until I memorized the whole thing. And there was one point where I had the whole 15 minute song, Moonlight Sonata, memorized, and it was. I only got like the first minute memorized now. <laughs> it's been so long. That's well, pretty impressive though. Just so you know, I uh, back in my day was an all-state trumpet player myself. Had a hey. scholarship to play for the marching band here at UM. Never told my mom about it because she would have made me do it. But <laughs> but so if you ever, I, you don't ever use any trumpets in country music, I can't imagine. But I All promise right. you, I am a, a trumpet player at heart. You never know, man. I mean, <laughs> you never know. Ray Charles, he had a country album and it had a whole symphony in it. Fair enough. And actually, Trump, you played the the bass guitar in like what middle school? In high school, I played I played the bass a little bit throughout high school. Colton was the bass player that pretend that he's playing just because he's there. <laughs> I did that with saxophone in sixth grade, and then I was like, well, maybe I should actually learn because 
they, they test you. Yeah, <laughs> my problem was that I was actually pretty good when I was young, and then I like stopped caring, but I had to take like an elective for high school, Yeah. and it kind of made me go. I'm like, man, fuck that. So I just kind of bullshit around the whole time. <laughs> yeah. All right, so you kind of mentioned some artists that you've seen covers of and artists that you like. Is there someone that you like model yourself after or who who could we compare you to? As far as my style goes? Yeah. Um You're your own breed obviously. So I, I just I want to know like in your mind what do you compare yourself to, but at the same time what sets you apart from the other guy? Yeah, I'm I'm definitely all over the place with with my style. Um if I had if I had more constant contact and practice playing with a full band, um, like drums, bass, uh, lead guitar, fiddle, steel guitar, then I would probably model most of my songwriting after someone like George Strait or Johnny Cash or Earl Haggard. And a lot of my songs, you can you can kind of hear the Johnny Cash um, inspiration. But since all my songwriting is done uh, mostly alone with my guitar, acoustic guitar, a lot of my stuff comes out kind of like uh, Tyler Childers, which is mainly how I learned to get good at guitar, was watching YouTube videos on repeat in my dorm room of Tyler Childers and learning his style, his hammer-ons, his, um, his walking between notes, and you can definitely hear that in some of my songs, especially in a couple that I got coming out on this new album. I've heard you sing Feathered Indians. You fucking kill that shit. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks. That's one of my favorite, and that's that's a crowd pleaser for sure. That's a crowd Everyone pleaser. loves that. Song. Oh yeah, everyone loves that. It's a song. good song. How hard is it to sing and play the guitar at the same time? <laughs> I always thought that'd be the hardest thing to ever do. They, I would rather sing and play guitar at the same time than sing without a guitar. Really? They, it helps. It helps me with um, pitch. It helps me with timing. Um, and since I was one of the big things, or one of the big reasons I learned guitar was so that I could learn to play songs that I like to sing, if that makes sense. And so um, I would just Google or I'd YouTube how to play this song, how to, how to play Feathered Indians by Tyler Shoulders. And I'd watch that on repeat till I figured it out, and then I'd practice playing it without the video playing until I sounded good enough to me. And that works for a lot of songs. Um, I don't know it, but a lot of people will tell me, like, I love the way you play that song. It's different than the um, than the original. I like the style that you do. And I was like, I didn't even know I was playing it different. You know? <laughs> I was playing what sounded good to me, and that's how it is. I learned this shit on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, is there a difference for you as far as singing someone else's song versus singing your own song as far as in front of a crowd? Um, yeah, so... When I was playing at those sold-out shows this weekend, um, what I basically did is I tried to play one original song, or no, I tried to play two or three original songs for every cover. And um, once I get, if I get bigger and people start to learn my lyrics more, I'll be playing more originals. But when I was playing in front of those crowds, a lot of those people hadn't heard of me before. And so I didn't want them to just be sitting there in silence listening to my songs the entire show. <laughs> so I was like, I want to get them involved and get them a little bit rowdy. So. Um, the covers really helps to help people sing along, get engaged, and like recognize what I can do with um, vocals. And then my originals I love because I really take pride in my songwriting and my lyrics and storytelling ability. So I'd, I'd rather play originals, but I mean covers are always great too. Is there a legal aspect to play covers? Can you like play covers whenever you want or do you have to like pay 
to like sing someone's song? I think uh, certain venues have to have uh, they have to pay some kind of fee in order for you to play cover songs, just like they do for um, they have to pay a fee for um, playing songs on the jukebox. Um, they have to pay fees for playing songs over their TV too, like. Bars and venues have to pay a lot of fees just to have covers of songs played. And so I've had some places say, hey, we, we don't have that license, so you can't play any cover songs. So you're going to play a two-hour set of only originals. And I was like, okay, I can also do that. All I right. can also do that. So fun fact, we are a sports show. We, we like to... <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. And I'd like to add that you're... You're not the tallest guy in the world, but you're pretty fucking ripped. I see you working out at the YMCA every now and then. I've I've played I've played pickup ball with you. You're this guy's a baller. Is he? I don't know if you know. He's a baller. He's quick. He's got a three point shot. He's he's good. Thanks, man. So just so you know, I I want to acknowledge that. Thank you. Appreciate it. And uh, so the word on the street is you're a pretty diehard Vikings fan. I am, unfortunately, but (laughs) proudly at the same time. Yep. What uh? So there's been some. Interesting off-season things. You guys trade Zadarius Smith. Um, let's see. Are you keeping Delvin Cook? Like, there's. Let's see. You draft Jordan Addison. I remember we were talking about that. Yep, yep. What do you think about the off-season move so far? You know, I I don't hate it. Um, when we when we signed uh, O'Connell as the new coach, I was intrigued that we decided to go with a competitive rebuild instead of just a complete rebuild. But I liked it because I mean, last year we I mean, 13 wins. I think is what we ended with. Yeah. Went to the playoffs, um, still got a lot of firepower on offense, obviously. But as far as the free agency and draft goes, um, Thielen departing, was it made sense for us. I mean, he's getting up there in age. I love him. I got his jersey. He's my Vikings jersey as Thielen because I love his story from undrafted to pro bowl receiver. Just a great story. Yeah. Uh, Is that... I'm gonna pause you there. Is that an underdog mentality you sort of take with oh, you from your yeah. music at some point? Big time. Who doesn't love an underdog? Come on, man. <laughs> Everybody. It's America. It's America. <laughs> Fuck yeah. America. So I mean, the the Addison draft pick made sense. Uh, I like KJ Osborne. I thought he would have been a ser- ser- serviceable number two, but then the one the receivers behind him weren't looking great. So I'm glad we got Addison. I think him getting single coverage with Jefferson being double teamed is going to be killer for our offense. I think he's going to light it up this year as a rookie. Um, Zadarius Smith, I think, was a, a good choice. He didn't want to be there. He took up a lot of cap space, and he kind of underperformed the last year, in my opinion. For sure. Um, Dalvin, I think, is either gone, more than likely to. If he does go somewhere, I think Miami is looking like the place probably. If he does stay, uh, Minnesota said they want to restructure his contract. Do, do you want Dalvin, or do you if we can, him to go? If we restructure his contract, oh, yeah. Um, I mean, he's just got he's got the breakaway speed, which is so, like, coveted in the NFL these days. If you can if you can take a beeline and run away from people, that's so big on people's radar for teams. That's why the, I mean, the, the two backs that were drafted in the first round this year, both just blazers. Dude. Oh, yeah. Bijan and uh, Gates, both just super fast. And... I think I'd love to have Dalvin if we can restructure his contract for sure. That's weird. So I saw this on Instagram today. I don't know why the world felt like reminding us, but uh, the biggest comeback in NFL history when the Vikings were down by what thirty-three to zero against the Colts, mm-hmm. and Trump here is a Colts fan. Oh really? That's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know why the NFL decided to remind us of this today. I saw it, but well, while I have you guys both here, what are yeah. your thoughts about that, really quick? 
I personally was very glad you guys came back. Because at the time, I'm like, we got to tank and get a quarterback. Because the Colts, I don't know if you follow Colts court, uh, football that much, mm-hmm. they've been renting a quarterback ever since they got rid of Andrew Luck. Oh, Not got gosh, rid of, dude. lost Andrew Luck. Yeah. And it's been heartbreaking. So I'm like, I don't care if Anthony Richardson, who we end up drafting, is a bust. I'm glad we tried. I agree. I'm glad we actually drafted a quarterback. So at the time, I was hoping we'd lose that game. I wanted to lose all the games after the halfway point. Like, just got to lose all these games, draft a quarterback. I was late to my graduation party, actually, because we were watching the, that game. We are watching, watching the comeback. I, uh, I missed the second half, dude. What? I was watching the first half, and then I, I didn't go somewhere. I can't remember where I went, but um, I kept checking my phone, and I was like, you know, Minnesota scored. I was like, oh, that's nice. I mean, we're still down a ton, but the score's nice. And then you guys scored right after that, and I was like, well, that's it. You know, mid-third, we're down, like, four touchdowns or whatever. And I just kept checking my phone, and we'd score, Checking, we scored, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, no way!" And I think I watched the end, the end of it on my phone, or, or I think I watched the end of it, and I was just like, "You know what? Good for us, because that is that's not been the name of Minnesota. We've been on the other end of that for years, <laughs> for years. We were the team that was giving up that kind of stuff." But I, I couldn't agree more with you on the the Colts drafting. That's got to be so exciting for you, because I mean, how many quarterbacks have you gone through? At least eight. Since luck. You know, you yeah. Philip Rivers, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz. Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett. Uh, Sam Ellinger. Nick Foles. Nick, Nick Foles. Foles. That's right. I it's, mean, it's there's really, probably some more we're forgetting. There's probably some more, some more some probably worse than those guys that yeah, probably yeah. got a shot at it. So I, I agree. I'd be – at least you guys got, like, something to look forward to. You got a lot of potential. You got a mobile quarterback with a new offensive coordinator that just came from the Eagles, and you saw what he did with – Jalen Hurts. Yeah, yeah. And Anthony Richardson is faster than Jalen oh, Hurts. Quick. Boy, quick. Yeah. I'm, I'm personally pumped to watch your guys' offense this year. I think it's very exciting. Well, thank you, man. Oh, yeah. How do you think the Vikings are going to do? think they're going to win a division? You know, I was I was looking at the, the schedule this year. I don't know. I think the Vikings will be good, but I'm as much as I, I hate on them, I want Kirk Cousins to succeed so bad. Because, <laughs> I mean, I will, I will curse that man's name after him losing games the way he does, which is just dumping it down when we need to get to the sticks, and he never goes for the sticks. But if he actually won a Super Bowl, I would feel so good for him because he gets a lot of bad rap from the, the media, especially, Boy. and a lot of Vikings fans. But he's a great community guy. He has good stats. He just doesn't have good stats in prime time. Yeah, I want to get into some fantasy football here, but that's kind of how I always felt about like about Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? But at the same time, like the dude just wins football games, and I just want to see him succeed. Uh-huh. See, a little sad that he's gone, but you know we have a whole quarterback carousel oh, thing yeah. that oh, we're man, looking yeah. into. But we don't need to get into that. So you're a big fantasy football guy, so I hear. If you have the number one pick here, who are you picking? Redraft um, PPR. Redraft. Number one overall, I think my gut tells me McCaffrey, just from, especially from PPR aspect. I mean, he he's insane, catching the ball, as you know. And I think you guys have an intelligent coaching staff, some of the best offensive-minded coaches in the league. And they know how to get the ball into playmakers' hands. Yeah. And McCaffrey is one of the best playmakers in the whole league. And I also think it's a good thing that you guys aren't going to Give you guys are going to have him play ninety percent of the snaps. Yeah, I think you guys are going to have him play 
75% of the snaps, and when he's in, he's going to be getting the ball a lot. Well, if Elijah Mitchell could just stay healthy, and obviously we put Debo in the backfield too, so yeah. <laughs> I, ideally, McCaffrey should not have to be the workhorse guy, which is what excites, excites me the most. But yeah, I have to say that for fantasy football, I, I'm with you just because he's on my team, and I think that he's been that dude if he's healthy. So yep. I think McCaffrey's number one, and then right behind him you have Austin Eckler and Justin Jefferson say, probably. Eckler is, with him staying with the Chargers and getting Kellen Moore as their offensive coordinator and how much he catches the ball, dude, Austin Eckler is definitely top three. Who are you saying was the other one, you think? Justin Jefferson. Oh, yeah, you know, if, <laughs> if you – if I learned anything from last year, I think the fantasy football is going toward the same direction as the NFL, where receivers are being valued high, like the yeah. elite yeah. receivers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking the same thing, too, because every year I draft running back first, second round. But I think I might go receiver this year. I, I would not knock anyone for taking Jefferson one overall. They get hurt less. Yeah. They get hurt way less. They rack up, obviously, more receptions, and they can be league winners. And you can get guys in the third, fourth, fifth round that overperform every single year. Like guy, Guys I'm thinking might be there in the second or third round that could would have won you a league last year, Josh Jacobs. Oh, for sure. I was, I was hating on him too going into Me the too. season. I was hating on him too. And then he just got the ball all the time. Yeah. I kind of agree that the running backs are sort of, like in the NFL and in fantasy football, they're kind of dying. Mm-hmm. My yeah. best receiver pick ever was... I got Mahomes with the very last pick one year. His his Mahomes' first year starting, yeah. Yeah. his best season or whatever, Trump drafted him in like the like the last oh, round. Like the last round. I'm like, yeah. That's nice. The Chiefs are high powered offense. I'll just I'll just pick him. Can you imagine that in a keeper league? Like the next year? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I think I'll keep uh, Mahomes as a seventh round pick. <laughs> and I can pick anyone else I want in the first couple rounds. Yeah. yeah. So I like to look at myself as like one of the more knowledgeable people as far as football and the NFL goes. Like I don't meet as many people that like know as much as I do yeah. and I put in so much research for fantasy football and I, I love it I'll do research I'll do mock drafts like I, I'm obsessed with it yeah. I haven't won a fucking league since like 2019 dude <laughs> and I play in like three of them a year uh, it's you know it, as, as much as it pains us a lot of times it's luck injuries plays a huge part that's another reason you know maybe going number one overall the receiver would be a, a good route but you guys aren't dynasty, super flex. I got some guys that are trying to start the league. You got to try it. Way better than redraft, dude. I'm down. I've, I've been looking into it. Because the season, it's it's going on right now. I'm trying to trade for guys. I think a month ago. I'm trying to trade for guys <laughs> right now. Seriously, a month ago, my, uh, my team's like a win-now team. But um, I'm a little old at QB. I got Kirk. I have Kirk, and I just traded. Uh, I bought him low as Russell Wilson because I'm excited to see what Sean Payton can do for him. And he's yeah. still got weapons, but... Another guy I went out on a limb for and um, bought for his price was your boy, Trey Lance. <laughs> you know, I, he hasn't shown us much, but um, I think that Brock, I don't think Brock's going to be ready by the start of the season. I don't think I so don't. either. I really don't, especially after that kind of injury. And I think after trading away three first-round picks to go up and get Lance, you guys have no choice but to give him a chance. And his rushing ability is that's so big in fantasy right now. You have a rushing quarterback, they're gonna be better than half the quarterbacks in the league. Let's let's not dive into Trey Lance today, but a lot of well, Tanner, thanks for the thanks for this uh, sick merch. I wanna rep this hat all the damn time. Let's go. You can definitely expect us at one of your shows for sure. You're here in Missoula at Cranky Sam's and the Sunrise quite often I feel like, so yeah. I 
really appreciate you coming on, dude, and letting us bullshit with you. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. What what an interview. Tanner Laws, everyone. Go check his shit out on Spotify and Apple Music, wherever you get your tunes from. Dude's active all over social media. So thanks for joining us, Tanner. And I guess that's that's all for today, right, Trump? Yeah, we're all done. Take time to log it off. Except for it's time for everyone's favorite segment. Tara's opinion. The worst mistake the Cowboys can make this offseason is to re-sign Ezekiel Elliott. Jerry, if you're listening, don't do it. That man is trash. Retire. Retire. Alright, well, um, I guess we're out of here. You got anything to say to the folks before we dip out of here, Trump? Yeah, thanks for listening. Like Peyton said in the beginning of the show, like and subscribe to everything. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Deuces.